more well-known, John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world, John 9, 5 tells us. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anybody walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. John 12, 35 in our passage this morning. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid hid himself from them. And in John 12, 46, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. That passage in Isaiah 42, 5 through 7, Thus God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and, and comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations. To open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon and the prison from the prison those who sit in darkness. So One area he wants to help us deal with is the dark times of life. We all have dark times. I I don't care who you are, who uh, you are going to suffer or go through dark times. Times when you're tempted to despair, to be depressed, discouraged, disappointed, doubtful, fearful, worrisome, anxious. There are going to be times when you need a light to shine in your darkness that can't be produced on our own. And the good news is Jesus wants to be that light. There are billions of people who have yet to find Jesus. People living in the dark. Seeking for the light that, that can bring joy and love and, and purpose. They can't seem to find a way out of the darkness and it leads to so many more problems. If you're one of those people, Jesus wants to be that light. They want, wants to be the light. Our physical minds and body need light. Sunshine, we, we gain vitamins and, and different uh, positive processes through light. Light brings uh, about life in, in plants, right, through photosynthesis. In areas of the country where they don't have, they have decreased light 
or seasonally it's very very few sunny days more cases of seasonal disorder of depression and, and than, than any other places so light revitalizes our physical and our emotional being that's why they used to they they used to punish criminals by putting them in the dungeon because part of that was there was no light The same thing is true spiritually. We, we can't survive without the Son of God lighting up our spiritual lives. Our, our, our shadowy hearts need His light. We, we need the, the light of the world to come and revitalize our lives because we live in a dark world. It doesn't take much debating to, to come to that. And the good news is Jesus came so that we do not have to live in the dark. We're going to see today how, how we can allow Jesus to revitalize our lives. How his light can take us from desperation, from disappointment, from doubt, from fear. How he can bring love and joy and purpose and power and peace in our lives. Who Jesus is meets our practical everyday needs. I am the light of the world. He didn't say, I have a light, or come over here, let me show you the light. He said, I am the light. Why did, why did Jesus show himself as the light of, of the world? Well, I, I need... God's light because my heart is dark without it. We live in a fallen world, right? Maybe, and I want to give you a little bit of backstory because I think context really helps when we, when we read that because when, when, when he said, I am the light of the world, Jesus says and does all things in perfect timing, okay? And, and so there was a very purposeful and meaningful backdrop just prior to this declaration. The Feast of the Tabernacles was the last of the seven annual feasts of Israel commanded by God and one of the three feasts that all Jews that were required to attend. And for seven days each year, the Jews celebrated the Feast of the Tabernacles. God had inaugurated this feast, specifically this feast, to help the people of Israel to remember that for 40 years... Not 40 days, 40 hours, 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness before God finally brought them into the promised land. And there were two important aspects to the way they celebrated this Feast of Tabernacles that made it different from any of the other annual feasts. And first was that for the seven days during that, the entire nation camped out. Talk about an annual church camping trip. Every family moved outdoors into temporary shelters, made branches and leaves to, to remind them of the hardships that their ancestors had undergone while living in tents during the 40 years in the wilderness. 
And the second was that on the opening night of the celebration, this uh, couple of giant menorahs or these huge candelabras um, were erected and lit in the court of women. And they, they were reported or documented to be se- um, 75 foot tall. So this ceiling's about 23 feet. So this is about a third of the size of these huge uh, candelabras. And say, and then in each of these cups is said these huge bowls where they would put cloth and oil in was said to have been able to, to hold like 10 gallons of oil in each of these places. And so this was... It's not hard to imagine then when this was was set up and was lit, it literally lit up the city. Like could be seen for miles and miles. And then at the end uh, of the feast, at the end of this, uh, the lights were purposefully extinguished. Well, why? Because... The Messiah had not yet come. So they extinguish. Some scholars even say this is at the point that he makes it, at the, at the point that they're extinguished is when Jesus makes his declaration. But every Jewish person there knew the significance of the menorahs, and they, they, they represented the presence of God among the Israelites in the wilderness in the form of the Shekinah. It was this visible presence of God. The first song that we sang this morning that Sam was leading us in talked about the, the cloud by day that guided and the pillar of night by night that led us, led them, that guided the children of Israel. It was this visible presence of God in the form of a cloud and a pillar of light. And it's, and it's against that backdrop. When that light was extinguished, it, it, it's then or shortly after Jesus speaks of being the light of the world. Now, during this time, and we've covered it uh, weeks prior But in chapter 8, when this is time-wise, when this is recorded going on, is also the time where the the religious leaders uh, bring this woman that they say has been caught in in adultery. And so this this happy occasion of this feast and this celebration, Jesus' enemies begin to create this ugly scene that we've looked at already but this pitiful effort to disrupt his ministry in time of joy and celebration they brought this woman to him that had been caught in adultery and they they thought they could catch jesus off guard by reminding him the old testament called her to be executed be stoned to death and jesus challenges them with that phrase that that, this famous phrase that he that is without sin among you cast the first stone. And since no one could meet that requirement, Jesus turned to the woman and forgave her sin, telling her to use this as an opportunity to turn her life around. 
And after the religious legalists departed and Jesus went back to teaching, during this celebration is when Jesus declared, I am the light of the world. And Jesus is trying to celebrate. And all the while, his enemies who are walking in darkness, who are walking in darkness, are trying to disrupt his ministry and his teaching. And so he boldly proclaims himself as the source of spiritual illumination. So what's that got to do with us? The Jewish religious leaders were in the dark. Anyone who fails to allow for God's forgiveness, I believe, is in that darkness. They were so far in the dark, they didn't even understand God's forgiveness and restoration. All they saw was judgment. Stone the woman to death because she has sinned against the law. Jesus' demonstration illustrates that before we throw rocks, we need to be looking in the mirror. None of us have kept all of God's laws. We're all guilty. We all need, need Christ's forgiveness. We all need Christ's light. Because every one of us has a dark heart. Not just the woman who had sinned, but all of us. You may be like, well, I'm, I mean, I'm not a murderer. Well, a Sermon on the Mount, I t Jesus says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. I, I, have you ever been angry? Not this morning, luckily, yet. Still early. But let's just say, you, okay, you haven't committed the physical act of, uh, of mur murder. That's great. Keep it up. But don't get too smug in, in thinking that you don't have a dark heart. The Bible says we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us have a dis deceitful heart. The heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out, Jeremiah 17, 9. And so I need Christ's light because my heart is dark without it. And if you can't admit that you have a darkened heart, then it will eventually come to ruin it will eventually come to ruin each one of us have to admit it without the light of jesus our heart is dark and we need christ's light secondly i need god's light because i can not only is my heart dark but i confront darkness daily Jesus wasn't trying to negate the harmfulness of sin when he denied the woman's accusers. The fact that he admonished the woman to go and sin no more shows that he recognized this destructive pattern of sin in her life. Now, it didn't mean that he was expecting her to live this sinless life from here on out. I, he knew that she would continue to be tempted, and she would possibly sin or stumble again. He says, sin, go and sin no more. He wanted her to turn her life around from the darkness to the light. He wanted her to see and understand why he had given us his laws. The religious leaders didn't get the purpose of the law. They thought it was solely for the purpose of condemnation. 
You did this, this is going to happen. You didn't do this, this is going to happen. They thought it was solely for the purpose of condemnation, but God's laws are also for our benefit. When we break God's laws, we end up breaking our own hearts. He, he loves us so much that he's given us boundaries. Guardrails, let's say. And the incident with this adulterous woman shows how God exhibits his grace towards us and forgives us, uh, forgives us when, when we cross those boundaries, when we come to him for forgiveness. His mercies are new every morning, right? Lamination, uh, Lamentations 3.23. And that's good because I need them every morning. Each new day brings fresh confrontations with the darkness that's in our hearts and in the culture around us. And God also wants us to be able to learn from our mistakes. Hey, go and sin no more. And we can't possibly, we can strive to live a sinless life, but the chances are pretty rare that we're able to do that because of our fallen nature. But it does mean that our understanding can change, right? It, it, my perspectives about the darkness of sin and how it damages my happiness and my relationships needs to change. I'm going to be confronting sin daily, so I need God's light every single day. And the good news is Christ is the light of the world. He wants to help. He wants to, to keep me from wandering in the wilderness, in the darkness. And so I need Christ's light because my heart is dark without it and because I confront darkness, darkness on a daily basis. But how can I claim Christ's light or allow Christ's light to rejuvenate me? How do I go from A, from a to, to B? From knowing I have a dark heart and when living in a dark world and realizing I need Christ's light every day to being able to put Christ's light to work in my life. I won't repeat it. Uh, I real bad want to, but I'm not going to. Uh, to find that, let's read from the text, John chapter 8, the re, like the remaining verses surrounding his statement of I am the light of the world. Is in verse 12, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will, will have the light of life. And the Pharisees say, you, you're bearing false witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Even if I do bear witness about myself, Jesus says, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. 
In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Where is your father? They said. You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So how does Christ's words here help me to revitalize my life in those times when I'm fighting darkness? It may be the darkness of personal sin. It may be the darkness of trials and testing and season that I'm in. It may be that my attitude has become negative because of all the darkness around me. What did Jesus say after revealing he was the light of the world? What helps light up my world is Christ's light rejuvenates my life when I place relationships before rules. Relationships before rules. And every time Jesus broke through this, these, this false spirituality throughout, that he's confronting throughout Scripture, he had to make this clear that rules without relationship are ruinous. Rules without relationship are ruinous. Rules have their place, especially God's rules. He gave us boundaries to, to protect us. When we cross those lines, we do so at our own peril. But God didn't give us these rules without proving in every way that he wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us. God is not a God of rules without relationship. And these religionists started a squabble with Jesus over whether or not he had the right to be a witness, blah, blah, blah. Just courts would not allow one person to bear witness of itself, but, but light has to bear witness to itself, right? The only people who cannot see the light are, are those that are blinded. These guys were spiritually blinded. John began his good news account talking about this very problem. John 1, we've talked, we read it earlier, John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. This is the verdict light in 3.19. John, uh, light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. The Pharisees were insensitive and unloving. They judged by externals, gave little or no thought to what was in people's hearts. By living... But living by, uh, by loving relationships tries to understand the other person, right? Christ's light comes when I let love guide the application of the law. Christ's light comes when I let love guide the application of the law. There was a child that heard that, they had heard that Christians were saints. And one occasion they were at a big cathedral with these amazing stained glass windows and sat watching the sunshine coming through the the window panes and the child asked her mother what are what are these people on the window 
And her mom answered, those are saints. And this kind of light went off in her head, and, and the child said, now I know what saints are. Those are people who let the light shine through. Saints are crooked. You, as a Christian, as a believer, are called to let Christ shine through us. That's the first step on how Christ's life rejuvenates our life as relationships before rules. But then secondly, is Christ's light rejuvenates my life when I reflect his light to others. Verse 16 to 18, Jesus reminded his adversaries that his father had sent him. And in a later statement, Jesus added to the implications of his father having sent him. He said, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. Not only is Christ the light of the world, Matthew 5, 14, 16 says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that can't, cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it can give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. So you are light of the world. Life is no longer meaningless and mundane. There's no longer any darkness. I've seen the light. I know what I'm here for. God has a plan. I have a purpose. I'm a follower of Christ. I, w I wasn't called just to shine my light in flashlight parties where we can just shine our lights on one another. We're called to shine our lights into where? Darkness. Where it's needed. I, I need to spend less time in a well-lit world and more time shining light into the darkness. Our lives are full of urgent demands. But I believe we'll be rejuvenated when, when we shine Christ's light through us. And we have to get over this, this notion, mistaken notion that I don't know what to say, I don't, I don't know what to do, or it's, it's better to not do anything than to say or do the wrong thing. We've got to continue. And even when my initial efforts may not show much results, if we feel called to, to speak a word, to, to show, uh, to, to share, uh, to serve someone, even when it, the initial efforts don't show much results, I'm encouraging you to continue. Uh, as we kind of wrap things up this morning I couldn't help but um, I really sync with this 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 message this morning this this rejuve this need for rejuvenation this 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 need and so 
in being a little bit transparent, um, not to draw attention, but because I, I know I'm not the only one. And I think someone needs to hear this. I need restoration. I need rejuvenated. Many times as believers, we do what we know in our heart God is calling us to do. And from an earthly perspective, things get worse. Or unbelievably difficult. And each every one of us have a story. Our story is, in 15, my son came to live with us at 15 months old. Amazing blessing. My daughter came year after that, year and a half after that. We knew that's what we were supposed to do. We knew that God was calling us to that. We are in a season now because of the darkness of our world, dealing with trauma from when he was just a little guy before he came to our house, and dealing with genetics and all things that we're struggling as parents to best meet those needs. And so there's times We're broken. And looking for, for help in so many different places. And we know this is our first, our first and foremost. Is within our church body, within the Father, that is the light of the world. And we know it's through Him that we will ultimately have breakthrough and redemption, and restoration, and rejuvenation. But I'm telling you, it doesn't make it right this second. It doesn't make it any easier. And I say that because I feel like there could probably be 10 plus, maybe, maybe more than that, people that could stand up here right now and give their version of that same, I did this, And it's for the better good of me, my family, my, my, my relationship with God. But it's breaking you. Physically, when we try and do it ourselves, it will break us. So I don't know what that looks like, but I just need others to know that if you are in that situation you're not the only one in that situation. And the struggles that you're going through or the struggles that we're going through, we, 
at times think we're the only one, we're unique, we're, we are the outcast or the, the, the anomaly. But we just spent 30 minutes looking at how broken and dark our world is. So there's no doubt in my mind why we, str- why we struggle with things in this place. And so I just needed others to know that you're not alone. And I don't have the answer other than Christ and prayer and petition and and faith. So if you need prayer this morning, if you want to be prayed for or want to pray for someone, I would encourage you to do that this morning. We're going to go into our time for communion. So we'll just invite our worship team up. But this is a time to be family. This is a time to see the scripture and what God has led us to this morning and what that means to each one of us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you have all things in your hands. And many times we don't understand the reasoning and why we're going through different things or or, or making sense of the here and the now, but you have all things. God, I just pray that regardless of the situation, that you would show yourself. That in all situations, that you would reveal yourself, that you would have breakthrough, that you would restore, that you would rejuvenate, that you would replenish, that you would build back, that you would rebuild enforce, fortify, nurture, Lord, I pray this for all that are here this morning, throughout our community, throughout our country, throughout this world. There is darkness. God, allow us to shine your light through us and be encouraged when it is, when it is difficult. And we love you, and we just thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love that you pour out on us. Amen.